Blog Talk Radio. Hello, everyone. We're waiting for this music to queue up. So stay live with me, and it brings subject to home, who we're going to talk with, Lori Handlers. We're going to talk about spirituality and sexual connection. We might have to do this live without any music today, but that's okay. Well, Food Alchemy is presenting. Lori Handlers talks to us about sexuality And spirituality connection, we're going to talk about the healing that comes from sacred sexual connection. We will discover the hidden secrets women release, the fluid called squirting or female ejaculation. There are two different types we will touch on. Uh, I want you to sit back. I want you to get papers and pens. Take great notes. I want you to also think about the questions that you really have a search for, of understanding, of coming to your spiritualness and your sexuality and how they come together and how they create a weave, a wonderful basket with us. So let's explain about Lori Handler. She is a sex happiness coach, author of Amazon's number one international bestseller, Sex and Happiness, The Tantric Law of Intimacy. Through her company, Butterfly Workshops, she offers sexual health and awareness courses for corporations and individuals throughout the world, worldwide, man. This is just astonishing for over a decade. She hosts a weekly radio show called Sex and Happiness. She has produced and starred in three independent award-winning films. She's also a lead faculty member of ISTA. Here are our major passion of radical life expansion. So we're going to present her live and in charge, Miss Lori Handlers. All right. I'm going to unmute. You have been unmuted. Hi, Cecily. So nice to be on the show with you. Thank you for inviting me. No problem. It's a great pleasure to get to run across. And I've taken your wonderful workshops that you have facilitated and been a part of. And you've been, if people don't know, she's been in New York. She worked with a friend of mine. Uh, Her name is Goddess Charmaine. There in New York, you guys did a thing together. And you've been traveling all over the world with ISTA, and you've been doing the butterfly workshop for many, many, many decades and doing wonderful things. And you guys need to look at some of her videos on YouTube. She takes you through a whirlwind of just, you're just a plethora of information when it comes to sexual happiness and the joys and not the sadness that they bring sex, but sex is just so dull. And you help others uh, unrelease themselves or uh, be getting really in touch with themselves, I should say, really getting in touch with that happiness and removing that shame from sex and bringing it to the forefront of happiness. So I want to thank you for that, for first and foremost. So tell You're us so a little welcome. bit about you. <laughs> you just did. You just said a lot in a nutshell there. You said everything. Um, a couple things. 
a couple things just is that um, my it's I have been doing butterfly workshops for about 24 years. So I've been teaching about sexuality and spirituality for that amount of time. And then my radio show, it's been over a decade, my Sex and Happiness radio show. Um, but, yeah, what you said is true. I bring people happiness, like how to connect the dots so that they can get happy and that their sexual energy is the source of really everything that they want to create. Um, and I do release them from the shame. So everything that you said in your introduction about me is is true and and good and alive and well. <laughs> so, yeah. So maybe you have... Yeah, maybe you have some specific questions about all that. Well, you know, with me, you know, that I was going through some, and, you know, uh, me and you've talked. Personally, I've taken uh, Shula Kwekwadosha. I had my friend. I don't know if you ever met, uh, uh, what's her, Shama Helena. Uh, No. She was a big contra person in California for a while. And unfortunately, she was a great, 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 good friend of mine in California. Oh, yeah. And, and I, she passed away. Yes, yeah, right. She did. That was a good friend yeah, of mine. Right. Of yeah, course she I know her. her. Of course I know her. I thought, you were, I thought you were mentioning her in relation to the Kadoshka, and I don't, she's not, a, no. she wasn't a Kadoshka teacher. Okay, yes, I know her. I knew her. I did. <laughs> she was a good friend of mine. She was a close friend of mine. Matter of fact, she used to do a show on Food Alchemy on Wednesday. It was our Get Over That Hump Wednesday, which I'm like, <laughs> but um, I got to spend time with her and get to know her, and uh, just she helped me open up a lot, um, a lot of things, and just being encouraging and being myself and accepting. And so meeting you was like, wow, okay, I don't have my kind of best friend here, but, you know, you helped me overcome a lot of stuff, and the fact of your courses that you expressed that you did, uh, the lingam massage, and teaching that to men as well as women in an intimate uh, setting where it was comfortable, and it was people from all walks of life. It's just like, you know how you go into some meetings and there's just one group of people um, they're either right. one age or they're just one race. You have a whole multitude. And I wanted to go to a puja, but I never got a chance. But I understand from my friends, a lot of we have the same friends in a lot of circles. They're phenomenal. And they're every educational. And they bring a lot of self-aware, which I want to thank you for, for that, for them on, on my welcome. behalf. You're so, welcome. I wouldn't have it any other way. I, I mean, why... I don't limit myself to groups of people, and I don't limit myself to ages of people. I, I, I'm, I'm unlimited, so I don't limit. I don't put a limit on anything. And I want to mention that you came to my class with your daughter, which I just want to say that because I now have had a father and son in my class. I had had a father and daughter, and I had a mother and daughter, but you can't, and you were the mother and daughter who came, so... And that's brave also, to take a sexuality oh. class with your daughter there. Of course. I mean, well, I'm I'm different, remember? <laughs> yeah, you are different. That's good. That's great. Yeah. yeah. So, so I, I wanted her to have freedom, and you gave her that freedom as well. You know what I mean? You, you weren't mm-hmm. 
squeamish, and you were like, okay. <laughs> yeah, I mean, look, if that if it, if it was comfortable for you, and even if it wasn't, the fact that you took that risk, I've now had a few mothers and daughters in my classes over time, and, um, you know, if the mothers are willing to take that risk and the daughters are willing to take that risk, what am I, you know, I'm just going to bring the information and the material and I'm really glad that you did that. And I wish more would. You know, my father was my student. I don't know if you know that, but my father was my student. After my mother died, he needed to know about sexuality. And the whole world had changed since the wow. time he was courting my mother. So he needed a whole fresh look on how do you, how do, you do life. Wow. That's amazing. Yeah. That is amazing. So did he meet another yeah. partner? Was he, did he flourish? I mean, tell me about that experience with, you know, but, how did yeah. it go? My father dated a lot of women after my mother's death. And then, um, and then he met, I think, the love of his life, probably when he was in his late 70s. And, um, and they, they didn't get married, but they, which is fine with me, but they did, they did something called, apart and together. So they had separate homes, but they were together a lot. But they always had home that they could go home to and be by themselves. So they didn't want to become too familiar or step on each other's toes. And it's interesting because I'm in a relationship now myself and we're in apart and together. So we have separate homes and we spend a lot of time together, a lot of quality time together, and then we both need alone time. So rather than live together, we actually advocate that people not live together, <laughs> that, they, that they maintain their own domain. Wow. Okay. That's yeah. different. I got, that from, I got that from my father, you know. That I'm a chip of the old block. <laughs> he's glad. He's glad. See, that's awesome. See, that, that's what this is about, happiness. And connection and spirituality, which is like totally awesome, um, which most people don't think about it. They think of, like I was sharing with a friend of being in a relationship, I was taught this is what happened. You don't have sex before you get married. If you do, you got a big S on shot across your chest. You were, you know, you were not very good. Um, so sex was not really talked about. If you learned it, you learned it in school and it was very clinical. So it made it not appealing, not wanting for you to reach out and not wanting you to go any further. So that's kind of a you know some issues. I was taught that too. I was really I was taught the same thing, and uh, we weren't taught anything about pleasure. And to me, pleasure is medicine. So the more pleasure you can have in your body, the more it combats trauma and pain. And um, it can transform things. Um, but people, we weren't taught about it. I don't think people are taught about it now either. So it's, it's kind of a shame. It's a, it's a travesty that we're not taught about our bodies and that the secret of happiness and the secret of creativity. And, the, and there is no, I don't see any distinction between the body and spirituality. Like I think the body is, the source of spirituality. I think that the body is, you know, the place where uh, things are experienced 
and it's a, and it's the connection of spirit. I don't think it's separate from that. And I think religions teach that it is separate. Religions teach that uh, that there's something separate, that there's spiritual connection, and then there's the body. And um, you know, I just don't agree with that. I think that I think it's really to control us and have us be afraid of our bodily function. True. Uh, yeah. Oh, so, they're going to try to... Go ahead. Yeah, I'd like to combat that. I'd like to change that. I'd like to change the whole world about that. Okay. That's a that's a big, big, big underworld. Well, you know, I find Europe, they're a lot different in their concepts. When, especially in Italy, Greece, um, well... Germany, um, Austria, and New Zealand. Their thoughts are totally different than ours. Yeah. When it comes to sexuality. Yeah. Okay. Oh, okay. Uh, Well, I guess the people I run into are totally different. (laughs) Or the circle I ran in. Um, but I like that they have, uh, or I thought they were open because they have a lot more different uh, clubs or they cater to or their their commercials that they have uh, are different. And the fact that you can go into art museum, especially in Paris, and see nude pictures and it's not, oh, my gosh, that's just so nasty or you know, it's like, wow, that's a work of art. The body is, is loving, and the body, you know, to me, yeah, is that, I, I that agree. Was different. I agree. Where here, I agree. They're, they're looser. They're not as tight as Americans. Americans are really tight. And still, some of those countries are under the influence of the church. And when sure. the, certain countries are under the influence, so they might have nudity. And they might be able to be more sexual, but there's still um, there's still a split. That's why I, that's why ISTA flourishes all over the world. Um, people in every country, in many European countries, uh, flock to the ISTA. By the way, ISTA stands for International School of Temple Arts, and we bring temple arts to people. So in ancient times, when uh, men went off to war they weren't allowed to come back into their town or city before they got straight. And getting straight meant that they went to an oracle, the temple of Delphi or wherever, and they met priestesses and priests that interacted with them and got them back in their body because after they had just been out killing, they Mm -hmm. weren't allowed to come back in and reintegrate back into their town until they got back into their heart their body and their heart, and back into loving. So um, that's what ISTA stands for. And we have it all over the world because people all over the world need it, not just, you know, not just Americans. <laughs> not just hung up, <laughs> uptight Americans. <laughs> I guess. But Americans are some of the tightest and some of the most traumatized. <laughs> right. We We do have... We're, we're hopefully we're going to get better. That that is the point of us getting better, and understanding and getting within ourselves, and where to go with it, and how to bring our heart full center, 
and not just open part, you know, just partially open our heart and partially open part of our soul complex, but to open them fully and to integrate. Um, like I was taught, uh, I want to say this right, the yam-yam, the si- no, the yam-yam. Y-A-B-Y-U-M. Okay. That and breathing in the energy going back. We're really pushing the energy through each other. And that was uh, exciting for me because I had never experienced an orgasm with some kind of physical stimulation you know, of some kind. So to do that and to share it with a partner, that got me interest, interested in sexual magic. Because I said, if I can Good. do that with a partner, what else can I do? You know, it's that energy, my energy, and we're bringing, like, almost like the Connellini, like bringing it in together, woven and weaving, woven in each other. That's what it felt like to me. I don't know what it feels like to other people, but I know that's what it felt like. Um, to get someone and to be able to do with that, it is just so phenomenal when you can take that energy, go in and out and just breathe in and just sit there and have just this amazing orgasm that touch you from the soul to the, you know, to the outskirts of your hand where you're actually really literally shaking. Um, mm-hmm. I didn't know such a thing. I was told, oh, yeah, there's many types of orgasms. And I'm like, hey, all right, whatever. Um, I haven't experienced that stuff. So that was my attitude, like, okay, next. But to learn, can you share the different type of orgasm, like educate us about the different types of orgasms there are? You know, the truth is I don't know the, you know, like I, first of all, you can have an orgasm about anything. But I don't know, like, I'm not an expert on the A spot, the P spot, the G spot, the this spot. Like, I don't know. You know, some people have taken to defining every area of the body inside a woman's anatomy that could have an orgasm. But I say you can have an orgasm from anything. You could have a laughgasm. You could have a heartgasm. You could have a teagasm if you drink tea. You can have a winegasm. I don't care, you know. You, your whole body is, your whole body is capable of contracting and expanding rapidly the way it does in a, in a clitoral orgastic state or an, or a vaginal orgastic state to almost anything. You know, someone can, you can be moved by an opera and then just your body starts vibrating and that's an orgasm. You could be moved by, um, you know, drumming. Uh, so I don't know the specific clinical types of orgasm that they, that someone has seemed to define, but I will tell you about the yab yum that you spoke of. When you sit in yab yum with a partner, okay, so what yab yum is, is the man or the person being in the male energy, sits on, because it doesn't have to be hetero. You, uh, the person sits on the bottom either cross-legged or with their legs spread. And then the other person sits in their lap, the person playing in the feminine role or the woman, mm-hmm. the person who, who is in the feminine body, um, female body, sits on the lap. And then your chakras match up. So you're sitting like on a pillow on the floor and your chakras, 
the energy centers of your body are aligned and nobody is dominating anyone. No one's laying down with someone over them. You're sitting upright. And when you're sitting upright like that and your energy centers are aligned, people in male bodies' energy centers rotate one way and people in female bodies, their energy centers rotate the opposite way and they alternate. So when you breathe out and your partner breathes in at the time that you're breathing out, all of a sudden there's like a thrust. Then you breathe out and that person breathes in. And there's another thrust and so on. So what happens is if you know the, you know, the caduceus, the medical um, symbol where two snakes are going up. So that's, that represents the Kundalini energy, which is the dormant snake that lies in the sacrum, in the sacral region. And as the two people breathe, one's breathing in at the same time as one is breathing out and then vice versa. So you're breathing your partner's, part of your partner's air and then you're exhaling and that your partner is breathing part of your air and their air combined and then the two snakes start to rise from the bottom and they go in and out they weave because the chakras are moving in opposite directions depending upon what gender body it is and so the snakes rise all the way up to the seventh center and um that's why you felt orgasmic and you never felt anything quite like that because you don't have to be having sexual intercourse. You could just be connecting sexual energy and letting it rise through all the energy centers in the body and also letting it rise alternating with, with a partner. And it doesn't feel like what we have known as frictional sex, frictional intercourse. It feels completely different. It feels like you just traveled in space. And it's possible for your whole body to have an orgasm and your partner's whole body to have an orgasm. Not limited to genital area, but the total body and the total energy body, which resides kind of around the body, outside the body. So So it's more magnificent. It's more all-encompassing it's more transformational if you will (laughs) yeah I like that see so you um I don't know so you like I like I'm saying well the the body you know like we're saying the subconscious or what is it well, I don't know all like those fancy terms for all the things that at this present point I can't name them like which are okay. your infinite outside and but I know the chakras and so forth. Lining up okay. and outside you can feel it. You know what I mean? That's what I felt like you're like, you know, they're saying eight inches from your body or whatever, whatever. So Exactly. That's, that's, that's your energy body, you know? And it's your aura. So people People are not just limited to the skin. They, mm-hmm. Their energy goes, most people's energy goes much bigger than their skin. Um, and we don't have to call it anything. It's just like energy. Okay. That works for me. You know, I'm sure there are fancy names for it. I don't know what they are either. <laughs> there are, but I, I just don't. can't remember because I was 
trying to remember like there's like there's five different orgasms that you can have and I'm like what like okay yeah there are there are but I you know to me that's very clinical like I don't care the point is to have them you know like to me you should have them how many times a day do you brush your teeth great that's at least how many times a day you should have an orgasm so I don't care what kind it is it really doesn't matter to me like you can have like I said, you can have a heart gasm, you could have a nipple gasm, you could have a clitoral orgasm, you could have a vaginal orgasm, and then there are all these spots that they've identified. Um, right. And and I, I never bothered to memorize that. I'm sure I have them all, but I, I don't care if I name them or not. I just care that, I, that it happens. <laughs> I care that I'm lucky enough for it to happen. <laughs> <laughs> that's good it's good so I have a question because you're switching. when we're young and we're taught uh, about sex and that spirit is, sex, is separated from sex that has a hamper on our pleasure and our self uh, well like it inhabits us like makes us more inhibited like not want to be out there or connect. It just makes us feel like we should be more sheltered or more protected. I, I'm trying to think of the correct terminology that it makes people go into a shell instead of when they're young and they keep that shell of indents of not wanting to go further because they're not they weren't exposed or or taught or know anything about it and that's all they know and then some women might reach 35 and they're having like, uh, like they said, some women when they reach 35, they go sexual crazy. It's like they're 18. Like they should have act like that when they're 18. But that I think because their spirituality and sexuality was suppressed, um, they become more free. As we get older, we get more freer with our thoughts, our circle change, our friends change, our uh, our our views change in life that we're a little bit more open, and the older we get, it's like um, I was like my aunt Alice. She got uh, she got sixty. She says I don't give a you know what you know, curse word in one hand, cigarette in another, and a beer in another. And she's like, as you get older, you don't give a you know what, a, a rat. You know, I'm going to do what I want to do, and it's about me, and I'm having fun. I thought that was kind of cool. As we get older, uh, they's like, well, you go through menopause. And it's because women are not worried about uh, having children. Getting pregnant. Right. Right. And they said that's a big thing. Like, really? Uh, That weighs on your mind that stops your sexual um, inhabitants? You know, like, just make you really just close up. And then you get to age and you're like, okay, now that I don't have to worry about having kids, now I'm free (laughs) willy-nilly. Well, for some women, that's true, I, not all women. And right. for some women, they didn't care. They didn't give a rat's ass before. But um, <laughs> the, but uh, I think that women, uh, as they age, they tend to feel more secure and really less worried about public opinion. But I, don't, I can't generalize that. I mean, I meet a lot of women who that's not true. 
You know, I mean, I definitely meet women who that is not true for. There are women who come to me because their relationship ended. There are women who come to me because their husband died. There are women who come because they hate the person they're with. They want the person to change. There's women who come. I mean, there's all different reasons. And, um, like, uh, you know, your aunt sounds more like me, but um, I don't, you know, I don't meet too many. I don't really always meet too many people like that. I still think people are pretty hung up. And as I say, I feel like some of them are in Europe, too. So I don't want to glorify Europe. I don't want everybody to go running to Europe and think, you know, just because they have some new, <laughs> some new, you know, parks that you can go to or nude beaches that you can go to that everybody's not hung up because they still are. There are still people who are. Um, okay. So, well, we have some yeah, I, I mean, I, I agree, but I just, you know, sometimes uh, it takes a lot. Sometimes it takes mm-hmm. a lot for women to um, move on their own empowerment, which, by the way, is their sexuality. Um, sounds like your aunt got empowered and said, you know, hell with it. I'm not I'm not going to worry about public opinion anymore. I'm going to do what I want. I, I already lived for those people who ever put the sanctions on, and I'm not going to live like that anymore. Good for her. And, you know, I wish more people were like that. But, um, you know, I don't know that everyone's like that. I, I know there's still a lot of hung-up people. I can always tell, by the way, too. I can tell if somebody's having great sex or if they're not. Wow. Yeah, okay. just look at them. I just look at them. If they have a glow, uh-huh. then they're having great sex. Whether they have one partner, no partner, multiple partners, if they have a glow, an inner glow that you can just, like, they're just glowing, then they're having great sex. If they're not, you know, if they look more like a prune, <laughs> they're not. <laughs> They're not, and it shows. Oh, it does okay. show. It does show. But women, you know, it's different with men, but for women, it shows. It shows okay. if they are self-embodied, and if okay. they and if they're happy that way, it shows on them. It, and and it's a glow. Okay. It doesn't have anything to do with how clear your skin is. It doesn't have anything to do with what color your skin is doesn't have anything to do with your age. It's like if you're getting good sex, sex oxygenates the cells. It sends chemicals to the brain. It releases oxytocin, which is critical for feeling good and for happiness. It combats depression. It combats cortisol in the body, which is the stress hormone. Um, it releases serotonin, endorphins, uh, all kinds of things that we need. You know, the body's a miracle. And the whole idea that um, sexual ex- exchange is supposed to take place is like a miraculous thing. And, it, and it's, our bodies are perfectly designed for that. And then all the things that even DMT can get released in the body through sex which is like a drug that people, sometimes people take orally or smoke it. But -hmm. the body produces its own DMT, you know, and that's part of the rush and the high and the 
exuberant feeling. Um, so all those things are perfectly capable of being produced in our own bodies. And we need sex for that. <laughs> I mean, you can get serotonin and dopamine uh, by running, right. you know, if you were a jogger, but I prefer sex. And food. More fun. <laughs> More fun. It's a team sport. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, now, I meet I... women who reach 50. Listen, I meet women who reach 50 or 60, and they tell me I don't want to have sex anymore. I did it with my wifely duty. I'm done. A woman called me once. She wanted to come to my sex magic course, and she said mm-hmm. to me, do I have to ta- if I come to that course, do I have to have an orgasm? And I said, yeah, this is about fueling your desires and your intentions through orgasm. And she said, oh, I'm not coming then. I don't want to come. It's too much work. Whoa. And I, yeah, I felt the same way you feel. I was like, really? She said, yeah, I don't want to do that anymore. I said, okay. I'm, I feel sorry for you. Yeah. Wow! 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 Ooh, okay. Yeah, there are some women. Have, have you ever have you ever listened to Wanda Sykes' um, one woman show? She talks about women who get over fifty and they get and the husband starts to get erectile dysfunction and she's glad. Oh wow! You know, yeah, like yeah. I'm not glad. I think that's a sorry state of affairs. It's nothing to be glad about. So, mm-hmm. but that's how I feel. You know, that's how I feel. I feel like. People should be having sex, you know, into the hundreds. I don't I don't think anyone should ever stop. And I go. think that having it keeps you younger. So it does. It does. Um yeah. was it in San Fan Valley <laughs> in Arizona, I was uh figure out I was this community that was like eight year over that was actually having sex and uh it was like unknown. Uh, the friend said that she had to actually talk to her father about uh, birth control because she said the era that he grew up in, uh, they didn't talk about that, and he didn't know anything about it. That she had to actually talk to him and tell him since he was out there because he was very active. I was like, wow, how does an adult child talk to their elderly parents uh, about that? That kind of, you know, interesting, and she took that on, and she was like, yeah, I had no problem, sat down with my dad, and he said he wanted to have sex, and he was having sex with this woman, and she said, I heard that some of the people in his community, you know, were spread around STDs, and I was like, well, she said, so I took him in to the doctors, and we got him, and I got him straight where he knew about birth control, she said, because you got to remember that era that he was born they didn't have birth control. You just, you, you met a woman, you got married, you had children, and that was it. And you married another woman, and, you, you know, you, that's the only person. It wasn't this, uh, now that I'm single and I can have sex with this person. And she said, so it's different. And she said he became like a little teenager. <laughs> I was like, wow, could you imagine at 80, my, you know, my parent is sitting there becoming a teenager and didn't have a clue, and I had to sit there and talk. Uh, I would I had to do way. that too. I did that. That's what, exactly what I did with my father. Exactly. Oh. Okay. <laughs> okay. Exactly. 
he was 72 at the time of my mother's death. And when he was 73 or four, he started dating again. And some of the women he dated were younger. And I told him that they could have a baby. And he was like, no. I said, what do you mean, no? <laughs> what do you mean, no? You're dating women in their 40s. They could have a baby. So, and then there were STIs that I wanted him to be aware of. So I had to have mm-hmm. that talk with him. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. Good for him. I was glad he did that. I was glad he had sex. Right. See, that's the that's the comfortableness of us being open. Like I said, I wish it was more. Um, not so put in the closet or something done in the dark. and But to be open and really talk about it and realize there is such a beautiful connection like we're talking about sex magic, uh, people are not aware of sex magic. Like we talked about, you can do sex magic uh, with yourself. Sometimes you don't have to have a partner. It's much funner to do sex magic with your partner, and uh, but you can do it by yourself. Would you like to explain a little bit about sex magic uh, for yeah. us, for the people who don't know? Sure, sex sure. magic is the deliberate. It's the deliberate use of orgasm to fuel your intentions and desires. So if you want to create something in your life, you want to write a book, you want to write a piece of music, you want to invent something, you want to bring something to bear, like you want to increase your income, you have some dream, vacation, whatever it is. If you use your sexual energy... And at the moment of orgasm, if you say the thing or visualize the thing, mm-hmm. then you're using your creative life force, which is your energies of creation, the same way we all got here through that mm-hmm. creative energy, is the same way that everything else got invented. Uh, so it's the deliberate use of orgasm to fuel those things and they happen faster they manifest faster because you're putting your creative life force in the focus of that which you want to create now I teach a two day class on it I can't teach you all that you know on this call but I can say that you you know you there's a ritual to it whether you Mm -hmm. use a solo practice or whether you have a partner practice you it's ritual you do it in a ritual way and you, you know, you honor yourself and you honor your body as a temple to which you pray. And you're praying to your body and your body's creative energy to bring you that which you want to create. But you're also not attached. I mean, you, you, it's both and like you, you want this, you mm-hmm. want to see this manifest in your life, but you don't get so attached that it, that you get hung up over it. You just... And the clearer you are about your goals and about your intentions and about your desires, the faster they come. That's beautiful. So you can practice that by yourself or you can practice that with a partner. And sometimes partners practice it with other people. So when I teach the class, then a whole bunch of people do sex magic together in the same room. And it's not um, in my practice of sex magic, there isn't intercourse. It's... um, the men make prayers on the woman's body. They use the woman's body as the altar at which mm-hmm. they pray. 
and then men bring the women to orgasm all at the same time so that not only do the individual intentions get sent out, but the couple's intentions and the group intention get sent out. And it's quite a beautiful ritual, although, you know, if people don't want to do it together, then there's always somebody who opts out and goes to their hotel room or goes to another room in the house or whatever. But I've done it in groups of people. I've had up to 14 couples. Wow. Doing magic together, and um, it's been it's been absolutely beautiful. So, so I, that's what sex I, magic is. It's using your creative life force to create. And humans, because we have a frontal cortex, can create more than babies. Hello. Like we create, <laughs> you know, computers and rocket ships and electric cars and soda and whatever, you know, like. Human beings create all kinds of things because we have this huge frontal cortex. So if we use our sexual energy and deliberately in that focus on it, then we're harnessing that which got us all here. So we want to look out for you guys because you're going to have your sexual magic class, I know. So explain to me about a puja. Um, I don't know what a puja is. Like I said, I know they said they learn and they had fun um, when they come to your puja. And I know it's fun because my classes that I've taken with you have been nothing but fun when I went. Um, you, and, yeah. you and Joel, that's been awesome. So uh, tell me, explain a little bit about that. A puja is, in Sanskrit, puja means honoring. And mm-hmm. so if you were to go to India... They have like over 4,000 deities that they worship. And Mm -hmm. so um, so they do puja every day to whoever their local deity is. Um, And so if you go to like a house in India, before you enter the threshold of the doorway, there might be a statue of Ganesha. That's the god, the elephant god that overcomes obstacles. And so outside the house, Ganesha is usually at the, threshold or the doorway and so there might be a statue of Ganesha with rose strung up roses or carnations or some other kind of flowers uh, Mm -hmm. marigolds they use a lot of marigolds and they string them on a string and then they make a necklace like a lei and they put it on the around the neck of the god and they also put money and milk and honey, and all all kinds of stuff next to that god, or they might make a bowl of flower petals floating in water, and all of that is to honor that deity. So in Tantra, we use puja to honor the divine in in people, in regular people. So, okay. so I might there might be a puja ceremony of thirty people. 15 women and 15 men and the men stay stationary in a circle they they get in a circle and they face outward and then the women get in an outer circle and they face inward and then each woman faces a man for one round each round like you go one round with each person and I might have people just hold hands I might have people make sound together so you, the women would rotate 
at when I ring a little bell, the women would rotate to the next partner and the next partner and the next partner. And at each station, I say, I want you to honor the divinity in this one. And and this one's going to honor the divinity in you. And so you're going to feel like a god and a goddess. And then you're going to get an experience with each god and each goddess who occur who appear at the puja and it's it's so it's very um sacred mm-hmm. and it's very uh mm, it's just it's very expansive right people people you know sometimes we do things that they don't expect i never tell them what we're going to do in advance um, right. but it's it's pretty much clothes on and but very people dress up they wear like god and goddess clothing and then they go to each station and different things happen you get a hug you might touch third eyes and um do some chanting together i might have sometimes i have the men rub their hands together till you can feel the heat energy come out of their hands and i have them aim it towards the women's genitals and i say send healing energy to heal any traumas that she's experienced or any time she's given away her sex or been forced to give away her sex when Mm. she didn't want to and like just send healing energy, but don't touch her. And so, I mean, people cry. I mean, it's, it's, it's intense. It's it's very beautiful. Releasing releasing Mm -hmm. trauma. Thank you for that because that's a, that's, it's a lot of, trauma that we have to deal with, uh, men as women, as we're seeing. Absolutely. Absolutely. So pujas are beautiful, and they're very um, heart-opening, and they're a way for people to connect with many people as the beloved and not Mm -hmm. necessarily be involved with them or have to have a relationship with them or have sex with them or anything. Just rotating around and connecting to the heart of the next person and the next person and the next person and the next person is very heart opening. And then I have a, my famous dinner, which one of my movies is about the Gate dinner, which is the name of the film is called beyond dinner. Um, in that we have a food puja. So the women stay stationary and the men rotate around and they feed all the goddesses and the goddesses feed them. (laughs) Mm-hmm. Oh, of course you would because you're a food alchemist. So <laughs> yes, you I could see food. my movie Beyond Dinner. You can you can Google my movie Beyond Dinner and you'll see it's very beautiful. And um, I have little stations of food. Like at each sta- at each switch, there's a small plate of food that comes, and I have very specific things. But of course, we start with dessert. Because I like, in the food puja, I like to do everything that our mother said we weren't allowed to do. So we have, we start the meal with dessert and we end the meal with dessert. Wow. Okay. Mm-hmm. I definitely got to, I have to get one of those. I have to come to one of those when I'm out there or, you know, yeah. when we're traveling meet up. I have a question about, and I don't know if you know this or not, like you were talking about the men going, going back to the Oracle when they came back from war. And there was a sacred house of different um, oracles and workers that were there were honoring and letting them release. But the, what people don't know, these women were honored and very revered, and they went through strict 
training um, to be able to do that, and they did a lot of ceremonies um, and a lot of rituals and a lot of cleansing and a lot of purging. They so they were very well respected, not like some yeah. of the stuff we see. You know what I mean? So um, I was well, looking at you that. know as as history at, has degraded women, you know one culture after another, you know, they went from being oracles to being witches burned at the stake. So, you mm-hmm. know, the denigration of women has been uh, a thousands of years thing. So, but back in those days, uh, those women were honored. Those women were the highest priestesses in the culture. Mm-hmm. And they, they were given the task of getting the war out of men. Uh, mm-hmm. So that men could come home and be, you know, lovers and husbands and kings and and not so only soldiers. And from my understanding, you get some of the right. Some um, time, the prince before he became uh, it took a queen was sent to the chamber to him for him uh, before he went before his bride to be able to honor her and was taught maybe some secrets or whatever as well. Um, that's what I was told by a friend that was from, um, he's from Bangladesh. Bangladesh that he now you're talking in- about my next movie. You're talking about my next movie. I, I can't talk too much about that, but I have. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm writing a screenplay about that right now. <laughs> okay. okay. So, uh, you know. Where the crones, the crones teach the, yeah, the crones teach the young men how to make love. Right. See, and that's the so art. That, yes, that's an art. art. That's correct. It, and same thing for the women to actually take that up and be honored in that way, and the things that they did and they were taught, um, and the value. Like I said, it's so different. So which I really like that I've gotten to meet different people from different uh, parts of the world that were able to share different things I didn't know and and didn't mind educate me or talking with me, which is so great. Um, like we have um, some women that are ashamed of, I was talking with her about their vagina and the shape of their vagina because they think it's supposed to look a certain way and don't understand that women's vagina come in different shapes in different ways, and it's not a curse because the lips like this, or it's like this, or it's dark like this. It's just this is just the way your your vagina, the lips are how it is, and it's okay. Um, and the same thing with a man, you know, that they're shaped different way, the girth is different, and it's okay as well. It's just this is the way you're made. That doesn't make you less than a man or not masculine enough that. It's it's a beautiful thing. You just work with you high, um, and loving that each part of you. Um, so I think I know not think I know these different workshops, these pujas, these different classes, and the coaching that you do will help them feel more comfortable about their body. Um, I was in a group called Sacred Women, and part of being a sacred woman is that we as women have to look at our own vaginas. And a lot of women cringed at that because that's not one of the gateways they wanted to go through. 
And that was one of the gateways we had to go through. And I was with my mate at the time. He said a lot of women want to, you know, men to please them, but they don't even want to look down at their own vagina. They don't even want to take care of their own vagina. They just figure, you know, they're just laying there. And I said, you know what, love, you're absolutely right. Um, And there's a ceremony that we did where we um, got a hand mirror. I don't even know if they make cameras like that. And we decorated our hand mirror, and we took a day, and we actually had to look at our vagina and talk lovingly to the vagina um, because we have said so many destructive stuff to it about it that um, we weren't grateful for it and also realized the beauty of the vagina and what it birthed. It birthed life. It, it gave you a fulfillment. Um, it can bring joy um, and happiness within yourself when you're able to reach and touch different parts of your psychic, your physical, and your mental, spiritual being. It just opened up a lot of ways of just actually taking the mirror and actually looking at it. And then they were telling you different things that you could do to cherish your vagina from even using certain oils, uh, certain uh, oils. Uh, lotions, all kinds of things that you can do to take care of it where it would look nice and be pretty to you. Um, some women even took them to braiding, uh, having cornrows on their vagina, like to each his own. So it's like it's a way of an expression. Uh, women took that back. So going through that ceremony helped me a lot, um, loving my my vagina and what it, the miracle that it was. Um, and a lot of women, after doing that, felt a lot better because it wasn't that shame. Oh, it's just a hole there. And the same thing uh, with uh, men. Um, they would go through the different ceremonies and look at their genitalia and wonder about their genitalia and the beauty that it brings, that it brings life forth. From that comes the seed of life, which is wonderful. Um from that comes the creativeness, um, you know, just different things. So that's what I, I'm, I'm grateful for, uh, for learning that and running that, because that was, the I think, the, the level for me to go beyond, because I wasn't, I wasn't there yet when I got there. It was like, okay, well, I looked at my vagina, so what? Uh, what does that prove? But to get more educated, it, it was freeing, um, and that's something I took, you know, taking a lot of classes and actually meeting a person like yourself that you help them yeah, get comfortable I mean, that they can look at their vagina or they can look at their penis and be happy, you know, because they got a, they got horseman envy. A lot of men, a lot of men have horseman envy, if you know what that means. Yeah, well, so that comes from also watching porn. Um, so there are people who watch porn think that there's a perfect way that their lips and that their testicles and whatever should look, and it's just ridiculous. So, um, yeah, we're all built differently, and there's nothing wrong with any of it. Thank you. Uh, and so, yeah, looking at it is good. That's not really, that's not, we. Well, I don't do that in my classes. I mean, I've participated in that, and uh, I've, you know, had women do um, yoni viewing and yoni speak, Yoni is the Sanskrit word for vagina, but that's not, 
I'm just going to say that's not the focus of my work. And right. it's very healthy what you're describing. That's, um, that's just, I guess I have, my courses are so packed and chuck full. That's, uh, that's one that like goes by the wayside. I don't have time for that. <laughs> so, okay. Yeah. So you have other ones, but I think it's, re- I think it's great that you did it. I mean, you know, I think it's wonderful. Yeah. I mean, everything. You know, I know they do that in the Kadoshka. That's what the Kadoshka is known for. That's not, I'm not a Kadoshka teacher, so that's not, we don't do that. We don't do that in this. No, see, this course, this was was Sacred Woman. This is something totally holistic and stuff. But we didn't do it in a class. That's the thing is you you had to go by yourself. This is not something we do. Oh, oh, no, 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 no. This was you're by yourself. That's why she said to get the mirror and decorate it, make it look pretty. That's what it was about. It was not, um, you're not coming in a group and you're like, here, here it is. No, that's not what uh, Sacred Woman is Oh, okay. I mean, I've been in, I have been in groups like that. I have done Yoni worship, Yoni puja with a group of other women. Uh, but I wasn't okay. the facilitator of that. I, I participated in it and it was wonderful. Okay. So, yeah. okay. So that's. It's really important that we know that what we got is what we got, and it's great. And it doesn't, it's not supposed to look any particular way. There's no standard. Um, if you watch porn, you can be fooled. Um, porn is not a place to get educated. Porn is not educational. Porn is entertainment only. Mm-hmm. Correct. So prepare yourself with a porn star is not healthy. <laughs> Yeah, but I guess yeah. it's a billion-dollar, trillion-dollar business, so it's excel. It is. It is. It so sure does. You said you wanted to know. I, you said you wanted to know about ejaculation, and I, we don't. I don't think we have a lot of time left. So, do, is oh yeah, we got a lot of time. So, um, oh, we do. Yeah, we did. So, talk. Okay, let's talk about um, female ejaculation and squirting. Um, is there a difference? No. It's no. the same. Okay. I mean, squirting is just a playing term for it. Female ejaculation is a real thing. It comes from the urethral sponge. It's mm-hmm. very, very similar. It's a, hmm, I don't know. I mean, I my friend Sherry Winston can, like, really give you the anatomy of it and how, you know, exactly it happens. I don't know. I'm not a nurse. She is, so she knows the exact thing. But it is the accumulation of fluid. The um, the urethral sponge is something, it's like a layer of one cell layer that circulates around the urethra in a woman. And what happens is a fluid, which is nothing like urine, and not even like blood. This might be a blood fluid that the plasma is out of. But okay. at any rate, there's a, but I, but I think it's more like watery because if you are dehydrated, it's almost impossible to make it happen. If you're yeah. very hydrated, then it happens. And what happens yeah. is uh, a finger or a wand or something vibrates or touches the G area, which is not just one spot, but it's a whole area inside the vagina, right behind the pubic bone, 
pretty, not too far in, just like about a, one knuckle's worth of a finger in. That, mm-hmm. And then that area jiggles. And when you jiggle that area, all of a sudden somebody can just gush or they can just push out a liquid and that liquid mm-hmm. isn't. And it, when it first happens to women, they're afraid that they're going to, that the, it's that it's urine that they're peeing and it's not. It's a different fluid altogether. And by the way, I mean, some women think they can and some women think they can't. And the truth mm-hmm. is that every woman can and mostly every woman does, but she doesn't know it. So, like, if you've ever had the wet spot, like after having sexual intercourse, if you've ever had the wet spot on your bed and you think that's the man's ejaculate fluid, more than likely it's not. More than likely it's yours, that that fluid came out of you, even if it was just a little bit enough to make a little spot on the bed. Mostly that's female ejaculate fluid, and that happens naturally in the course of sex and then it could be made to happen if somebody jiggles you you know a lot or some women don't need that much jiggling but um it's the stimulation of uh what we call in tantra the sacred spot and there could be a big quantity of fluid like a pailful or there could be just little but little dribbles there's i mean i know i've known women who 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 went out so fast it hit the wall. Um, <laughs> and I know a woman a woman came to me once as a client. She wanted me to help her stop it, stop doing it, because yeah. she was ruining everything. She was ruining her mattress and her furniture and everything in her house. And I, yeah. I didn't know how to tell her to stop. I didn't, you know, I didn't know the remedy for that. Okay. But, um, but it is, but it's, you know, women can do that. Now, the difference between women's ejaculate fluid and men's is that women's doesn't have sperm in it. So women's is just a watery substance. It doesn't actually have a taste. It might taste a little sweet. It doesn't have a smell. It doesn't have a, co- a color. It's not yellow. Um, and it isn't white. And... um and so women don't lose their vital life force when they do it. Okay. And the reason in Tantra men are asked to uh, practice ejaculation choice is because when men ejaculate, there's sperm in there and there's loads of sperm in there. So a man's ejaculate fluid, like a symbol of ejaculate fluid, probably has enough sperm in there to impregnate all of Phoenix and Scottsdale, you know, like that's where I am. So (laughs) that's a lot of sperm because that's how many it takes to just impregnate one egg. Wow. That's so cool. Yeah. So that's why men are asked to to not uh, waste their seed. That's the term that's used. But, I, I mean, I think men should ejaculate. I just think they don't need to ejaculate as much as they think they need to. And also, if they learn ejaculation choice, then they can last longer in bed. They don't, they don't come in five, you know, five minutes or less. Women don't like that. It takes women 40 minutes to get warmed up. Mm-hmm. So the cosmic joke is that, yeah, the cosmic joke is that men could come in five minutes and women can't even get warmed up. In five minutes, there's nothing happening for a woman in five minutes. So the cosmic joke is like, how do we navigate that dance? You know, how to how to 
how do we say, whoa, 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 you know, stop, slow down. Because men, you know, men are still, their reptilian brain is still programmed that there's a saber-toothed tiger around the corner so that they don't have sex fast. They're not going to make that baby. <laughs> most people, most people I never thought eaten. about it like that, but okay, yeah. Okay, so tell us what's going on with you because you, you got some exciting news that's going on with you. So share with us. We would like to know your new exciting news that's going on with you. Besides your new so movie that's going to be coming out. There's so much. I have a new book coming out. It's going to be the, uh, my first book is Sex and Happiness, The Tantric Laws of Intimacy. My second book is uh, The Magic and Mastery of Sex and Happiness Over 60, like how much better it gets when you're over 60. Uh, mm-hmm. So that's one thing. I'm not, I can't tell you exactly when that will be out yet because it's my fault. <laughs> I haven't, okay. I haven't, done the edits I haven't done the edits that I need to do. It's about three quarters of the way done. Um, okay. I am rebranding myself to lauriehandlers.com instead of Butterfly Workshops. So I've been Butterfly Workshops for the past 24 years, and I will be rebranding myself to Laurie Handlers. And when I come out with lauriehandlers.com, it's going to be April 1st, April Fool's Day. And um, you can get my book, Sex and Happiness, for free. All you have to do is pay for the shipping. And then there's a whole bunch of other things that you can have access to on there that no one's ever had access to. So I have... um, my bliss course, but I did, it's called Bliss Redux because I took my bliss video and I re-engineered it. And then you could get that. You could get my um, Moving Through Powerful Emotions video. How do you deal with anger, pain, grief, jealousy, uh, the things that the denser emotions that mm-hmm. people want to avoid and usually squish down because they're not allowed to have them. So I have a whole video on that video program on that. I have a video program on sex magic, solo practice and partner practice. I have a video on, um, on moving in the unknown and making love in the unknown. Uh, and that's part of it too. So all these things have been packaged and bundled together and they will be offered on my brand new website, lauriehandlers.com. And this is for many people who, you know, I travel the world, but sometimes I'm not in somebody's city. You know what I mean? Right. I've never taught in the Midwest. I haven't, I like to say the word Sheboygan, so I've never taught in Sheboygan. Uh, I have taught in Boston, New York, uh, Jersey City, Baltimore, Washington, D.C., Philadelphia, uh, Greensboro, North Carolina, West Palm Beach. I mean, I've taught in many places in the United States, Phoenix, San Francisco, Los Angeles, San Diego. But, you know, still there's a lot of people who don't get to those places. Now I travel all over the world. I've I've been teaching in many, many countries. But even so, there are still people who don't make it or they can't afford Mm it. They can't afford the plane fare, whatever it is. I don't care. So I am making my courses available to everyone at nominal fees. All they have to do is go to lauriehandlers.com. So, yeah, so that's big news. And um, 
I don't, just there's so much. There's really <laughs> there's so much. You have classes on. coming up recent, um, in the next couple of weeks. Anywhere? No. Uh, yeah, I have a class in yeah March twenty uh, third and twenty fourth. I will be teaching Tantra meets BDSM in Jersey City, New Jersey, um, with my teaching partner there, Om Rupani. And then we'll be teaching that again May 3rd and 4th in Portland, Oregon. Um, and then my ISTA program is coming up. I have some a lot in Europe this year, but I have uh, Eugene, Oregon on, um, on May 6th for a week, 6 to 12th. And then I have later in the year, I have Seattle. I have Seattle, Washington. And uh, I'm, I'll be doing ISTA then. And I have a puja here in Phoenix on the June solstice. So, mm-hmm. I mean, really what people need to do is they can either go to butterflyworkshops.com now and look at the things coming up. But I don't think it's totally updated because I'm so focused on uh, the re- my rebrand. Okay. So on April 1st, people can go to that. It's not that far away. That people on April first they can go to lauriehandlers.com. I'm going to spell my name L A U R I E H A N D L E R S handlers, and they can go there and they can find out about all my special programs, everything that they can get online at a total bargain, and um, you know, and they can follow. Like, if they follow me on Facebook, they'll find out about all my ISTA courses and okay. a whole bunch of other things. Yeah. I'm also doing Making Love in the Unknown, Moving in the Unknown uh, in New York City on March 25th. So that's an evening event. And they have to find that on Facebook. Okay. That sounds good. Now, my yeah. my last question for you tonight can you tell me or uh, give a suggestion of what do you, what do you think of a healthy spiritual connection is a sexual uh, spiritual connection? What is? Can you give me one thing that you? Oh think yeah, <laughs> I can give you a lot on that. I first of all, you have to have communi- you have to have communication skills. So okay. my partner, that's another thing on my LaurieHandless.com. I'm going to have communication skills. My partner and I have a four-part series on communication skills. How do you tell someone you're attracted to them in a healthy way? How do you negotiate boundaries and consent? How do you talk about what your sexual preferences are, like what you like? So how do you talk about sex before? How you talk about it during? And how you recap it after and say the things that really worked for you and the things that didn't without anybody taking it personally. And um, uh, first of all, communication skills. I mean, I just have to say are so mandatory. This whole thing about, you know, a woman isn't going to tell what she wants or what she likes because women aren't supposed to do that and the man's supposed to know. They don't know anything. (laughs) They don't. I mean, they picked up some things along the way, but they didn't talk to each other. Who did they talk to? They don't know anything. We hold... We put so much pressure on men to know how to be sexually. They don't know anything. Who do they learn from? Who do they talk to? No one. 
and um, and they saw porn, which is not good for us. And then I'm not saying I'm not downing all porn. I'm just saying learning from porn is not good for me. I'm not a right. porn star. I don't want someone doing that to me. What they do. Um, and then I need to be able to say I like this. I don't like this. I would do this. I wouldn't do this. I might do this on a one to five scale. I might do this to a three. And how to actually communicate. Honey, that was great. Thank you so much. You made love to me like you mean it. My current partner, the first time we made love, I looked at him and I just went, you made love to me like you mean it. And he said to me, I do. Wow. I mean, I was just, but I said that. That came out of my mouth. Mm-hmm. I couldn't just be sitting there all prissy making believe like I don't know anything about sex. <laughs> Or about what I like and what my preferences are. So I have a whole, we do a thing called a bubble, which we demonstrate on this video, where we, I didn't make this up. I got this from, a, from another Tantra teacher, from Margot and Aunt. But we bow to each other, and then we make a bubble around each other and around ourselves so that it's sacred. And then we say, desires, fears, and boundaries, what do you want in this session? And then I have to say, and he has to say. And we do it every single time we're together. Wow. So there's no, you know, there's no um, boundary violation. There's no, uh, you know, maybe I'm a little sensitive at this time. I, I want to, I don't want to, you know, I want just kind of light touch. I want to feel like this. I want to feel like that. I say and he says, right. um, and that's really uh, very expansive. So, uh, it, what to look, what to look for in somebody who's like a spiritual, sexual connection uh, that you want to work, you have to be able to say to somebody and have a safer sex conversation. You know, this is the last time I was tested. This is what I was tested for. This, this is what my test results were. I would be comfortable having sex with you, but barriers, I, this is my method of birth control, you know, all of it. Right. And, and the time to have that conversation is not when you're in the bed. Right. <laughs> you could have the conversation over a drink. You could have the conversation over dinner. You could have the conversation in an elevator, but you need to have it. And, um, yeah, so that that's really important. And then, oh, the other thing I used to, when I used to teach in, in the old days, I used to teach assertive communication. And when I taught assertiveness, I used to say to women, actually I used to say to women and men, when you meet somebody new, say no very soon in the relationship. Want to go to the movies? No. Because you find out that no one dies. And when someone <laughs> respects you... When somebody respects your no, then you know they're going to respect your yes. Wow. Powerful. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so no is important. Boundaries are really important. Um, what it is that you're comfortable with. And boundaries are not permanent. So boundaries mm-hmm. can be changed. If I meet somebody new and I don't want to do this, that, or the other with them, cause, and I have a boundary about that, I might say, you know, Okay, we can do kissing, we can do, you know, touching in my breast, we could, 
maybe do sexual intercourse, but no oral sex. I, I'm, not, I'm just making this up. I might say that, you know, no oral. Right. Well, that's not permanent. I just want to see if that person respects my boundary. Okay. And by the way, I respect someone who then respects my boundary and doesn't try to change it halfway into it. Mm. So even if I change my mind halfway into it, if the person really listened to me, then they say, no, no, not this time. You said no. I respect that. Okay. I like that. That's awesome. Yeah. It's and, really yeah. important. Yes, because we have, we've come to, from a land of no boundaries at times, and sometimes our no means yes when it's supposed to be no. And like, okay, why well, didn't no? Because you said no, but I thought you meant yes. No, no means no, and yes means yes. Um, what was that and maybe other thing? means no. And maybe means no. Right. So if I said maybe, you should you should know that that's a no. That's just me not saying no. Wow. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's really boundary work, you know, and that's mm-hmm. that's so important because if you don't have that, if you've never, a lot of times women don't even know what they want. True. And then they're right, then they're right up on a boundary, and then they do it because they were into it already, and then they sometimes they say they were a victim, and like mm. they're a victim to. Them. They're a victim to themselves. Right. That makes sense. So there's a lot. I mean, there's a, that's a whole other show, you know, boundaries and right. consent and being a victim and whatever. It's a whole other topic. But um, it's that's really important. And to have really good communication skills um, is super important. And for men to go slow and be patient. And for actually women to go slow and be patient. Nothing worth having has to rush. There you go. Because you really don't know when you piece, rush. Yeah. The other piece I heard recently is, hey, you know what? What would it mean to you if I had sex with you? Well, it might mean that I'm just having sex with you on this occasion and I may never want to do it again. Would you still want to be with me? I mean, that takes balls, you know, to say that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> But that might be, but that might be the truth. Yes. So the more empowered people are to speak their truth, the whole much better their life is going to get in every single way. And sexual is just one of them. Sexually and spiritually is just one of them. If you, right. if if I can really trust you, if you can really trust me, and we're going to get it on. It's going to be on. Game on. Wonderful team sport. Seduction team sport. But mm-hmm. um, if if you can't trust my no, you can't trust my yes, and I can't trust yours, like, what are we doing? Right. That's true. Well, let me see. Yeah. We got a little bit of time. Does anybody have any questions? If you do, you need to press one uh, about the show. I wanted to make sure that they didn't have any questions because you've answered a lot of wonderful questions and give us a lot of information, especially about boundaries, which is very important especially about communication and clarity of communication and understanding about uh, safe sex and understanding about our bodies and just really going in the bliss, as you say, and the happiness, which is really yeah. so cool. 
Um, Listen, here's one thing I just want to say. If nobody presses the button, presses one. If you, if whatever your belief is, I'm not, I don't, I believe that, you know, my community, me and others are higher power. I don't believe in that external higher power, but other people do. And um, I don't care who you think the creator is or what created us. If we weren't meant to have pleasure, we would have not been born in skin. <laughs> we would have been born in metal, wood, or glass, something that doesn't feel. That's another way of looking at it. Wow. Okay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So this body was given to us. This is a miracle. This is a, just a miracle. And this is, the, this is the whole root of our happiness. And... Um, you know, let's appreciate it. Let's celebrate it. Let's live in it fully. That's spiritual. There you go. I like that. Mm-hmm. You know, I had a, I had a. That was my thesis uh, paper: spirituality and sexuality. Um, writing awesome. a thesis paper on it, and I have, and I did a lot of work looking up OSHA, um, OSHA. Um, Tantra teachings. That was way back in the day. That's why, I, like, a lot of my shows was always way around Tantra. That's why I was taking those classes, too, because I had sexual hang-ups, too. <laughs> and I wanted to prove it was, such, it was spiritual because I was so, you know, my brain thought, like, everything, no, it can't be spiritually. It's just like I thought it was animalism, you know, that's primal. Um, it's only used for procreation, you know, that. No. You know, it was beaten, and when I finally found my voice, it was like, wow, okay, there's more to it than that. And and, and learning, Absolutely. and it just was freeing for me. So I was like, you know what, I have to write this paper. So I wrote my uh, theses on spirituality and sexual connection. And I said, Beautiful. I want to know how many other people feel like that. But the only way I knew was through Shilakoi Kordosha trying to put it down and and reading the book uh, by was a Charles um, Amora Charles, sorry, I had to try to remember mm-hmm. her name. And then going to classes with you and Joala and um, my my good friend Hama, you know Shama Helena, just having mm-hmm. those like opened me up like kapow. Um, I was able to set boundaries. I knew what I wanted. And there was nothing wrong with me, as I was sharing with someone else. I didn't realize I had a high sex drive, and I was thinking something was wrong with me. And when I learned mm-hmm. that and was able to understand it, it put a lot of things in perspective for me in the long run. And even Beautiful. today, of who I am and how it shaped me to be. So I was able to write that paper and give it to her, and she was like, wow, you brought up thoughts we would have even never thought because the course for that part of the section of our course was only like three pages. Spirituality and sexual connection was only three pages. Everything else was like 46, 146, 246 pages. Three mm. whole pages. <laughs> and the only thing was, oh, you know, anybody that thinks sex is uh, not spiritual, they should was it the quote was if anybody think that uh spirituality and sex was not connected or have some kind of uh 
something with it. I can't remember the exact word. Connection to it, I'll just put in that. Um, you're wrong because to be procreate, you have it spiritually born. And that was the conclusion. I was like, that's it? That's it. Just because you procreate, mm-hmm. that makes it spiritual. Really? Okay. <laughs> I'm done. <laughs> well, I'm glad you did that work. That's super important. Like, that's, that's yeah, that's just a reflection of the hidden. It's been in the shadows. It's been hidden except for procreation. And that's just not real. That's right. just not real. So thank you. Thanks for sharing that. No problem. Uh, thank you for um, coming on and realizing the show was uh, the show was for day and you had it for tomorrow. And you took time off and she pulled off. For you guys that don't know, she pulled off on the road and uh, or she's still in the car and she decided to do this and take it head on and just answer any question or anything. We don't have no questions. Got people in the queue. Okay. Um, but that that's that's normal. Uh, you know, it's okay. Sometimes we have questions. Sometimes we don't. Sometimes we go over. That's fine. Sometimes we don't. But it's beautiful, and I want to thank you. And I did put up your new site for April first, and I said April first new website, so I have it down there in the box, so they can go to it. And you have her contact information. You can reach her on Skype. So and follow her on Twitter and follow her on Facebook. So you can get out and understand some better you or not even a better you, but the real you that you didn't even know exists. Getting in touch with yourself is the most important thing that you can do and uh, helping you. And if you have a daughter or have a son and they have some things that you want them to explore, this might you want to reach out to her to take them to this class uh, for them to go. I mean, I advise it. Uh, for them to go and, and learn different things, uh, it helps and it does heal at the same time. And I was my goal for taking my daughter so she wouldn't have sexual hangups like her mother. I didn't want her to have that. So, um, like I said, I always think outside the box. <laughs> uh, That's and great. I'm going to continue to do so. So, <laughs> so I hope I. Well, thank you, Sassy. Know, thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me on the show. My pleasure. No problem. So we look forward to you, and I look forward to where I can get to go to Arizona and go to one of your pujas or whatever that you're coming. And especially, it's the, you know, when you're going there and you're having these wonderful classes, anybody out there, you get a chance, you want to look it up, what it is, and find her because she's one you want to get to know. So I thank you again for being on my show, and I want to wish everyone a blessed night. I am Dr. Cicely D'Angelo. It's been a pleasure for you to actually tune in with me on Food Alchemy Network. Stay tuned for future dates. If you want to sign up and be a following, sign up with your email and be a follower, and you will get a notice when we will be on and what the subjects are coming and who we will have, you never know who we'll have. We have some wonderful people coming on. This Wednesday, I want you to look for it at 8 o'clock. We do have um, Mary Beth Ashley and the Oracle coming on, and they're going to talk about Akashic Records as well as Past Life Regression. That is Wednesday. So it's been wonderful, ladies and gentlemen. I'm going to say good night and blessings and bliss to all of you out there. Have a blissful night. Bye.
Okay. Hello. Can you hear me? Can you hear me? I have to, how do I unmute you? Uh, hold on. <laughs> I got to figure this out. Now, how do I unmute my guests? There you go. How's that? Oh, that's better. <laughs> I unmuted myself. Okay. I'm like, wait a minute. I didn't realize I meet you. So how are you doing? I'm good. I just I just pulled over. I just got to this Wi-Fi hot zone that I knew was here. I've been driving for the last couple hours. Wow. Um, I guess we're ready to go. How do I look? Do I? You, do, you look do good. I look, you look good. Okay, good. I was in. I'm, I like I'm, your background. Like said, okay, I'm in my motorhome. Uh, this is my oh. little motorhome. So oh. I'm glad you like the background. Thank you. So how do you like your motorhome? This is yours per se or on your land? Yeah. Yeah, it's mine and I love it and it's been really beautiful. I bought it a couple of years ago and it's four-wheel drive so I can go adventuring to all kinds of places um, off-road, which I love. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, so I'm really grateful actually. Okay. Uh, and I wasn't planning on being here so much, but the COVID uh, uh, kept, <laughs> has kept me in New Zealand. So. So there you go. Okay. So, so it's good to see you again. Yes. I yes, remember yes. you from the Phoenix Temple, I believe. Yes. I was a good chef. <laughs> and then you. So, uh, how, how would you like to start? Okay. So, what I'm going to do is introduce um, you to everybody. Um, okay. Because right now I'm not able to take any um, calls because of the Zoom that I have. Um, so, and what I'm going to do is transfer it to YouTube afterwards. So, what we're going to do is going to, I'm going to ask some basic questions um, okay. about, we're talking about spirituality, sexuality, connections. Mm -hmm. And then we're going to, I'm also going to put it on um, now, that's I have a question. Do you mind it being on Facebook or anything, or do you have? No, any that's fine. Not to? Okay. That's fine. I just want to support us to get going because I'm only allowed a gigabyte of RAM of of, of data, and okay. when that runs out, it'll just cut out. So we should probably okay. start and then maybe talk about this afterwards. Okay. So let's get started. Okay. Introduce okay. um, everybody. You know, I'm Dr. Ceci D, aka Food Alchemist from Food Alchemy Network. This is coming to you live. And I am in the beautiful, we're going to say the San Diego area of California. And my guest, who you know, that is a very pioneer in a lot of stuff of like DACA, Daikinis, and information and spiritual sexual connection. So none other than Baba Des, he also was a co-author of Sexual Magic. And he also did some... Um, demonstration as we called what is it called playroom or play activities involving interactive sessions as well as explaining about sexual magic and we're going to be candid about the sexual connections and spiritual connections and how important they are and this is where i'm going to let him introduce himself and how many years he's been in so there you go baba des the floor is yours hi thank you Thank you, Ceci. Uh, I, I've been uh, 
Oh, I've been uh, in the teaching sacred sexuality for 37 years now. And, uh, and then, of course, studying before that and uh, doing practice and other things. Uh, but I feel like um, I, I, in my evolution, I've been in the in, uh, natural foods and health food industry. I've been involved in organic farming. I've been involved in a lot of things to support people to, to live a happier, healthier life. And uh, at some point, I realized that all the good food and vitamin C in the world isn't going to heal self-hatred and uh, shame and other things. So uh, what I realized is that uh, my emphasis shift into the sexual healing work and how pleasure itself is very healing and uh, how to uh, address a culture that is so steeped in um, confusion and uh, guilt, shame, and fear around sexuality. Back in the early days, it was hard to even have a conversation about uh, sexuality without people uh, checking out or getting activated or feeling a lot of shame and really uncomfortable. And uh, things have definitely changed a lot today. So I'm grateful for a lot of the work that uh, a lot of the early pioneers did and that a lot more people are doing now. So it's becoming a lot more accessible and uh, permissible in the mainstream. Okay. Then the first question is, when was your first awakening and realized this was, was your calling? Uh, I think it was probably uh, that it was a calling to share this and teach this. I feel it, it probably happened in my early 20s when I was living in Hawaii um, uh, <laughs> after some very powerful experiences and uh, actually working with another pioneer who's uh, about 10 years my senior, uh, Charles Muir, who, uh, who uh, introduced me to the temple arts and in doing some of the rituals, I actually had a remembering of of the temples and why the temples fell and how powerful these rituals were and how they were used in ancient times and also how they were abused and which created the, the what I feel created the downfall of the temples thousands of years ago. Yes, that is amazing. So tell, um, I used to live in Hawaii too. I used to live on a big island. And um, so tell me not only that because I've, you know, I really actually read your book. How did you meet, um, what was her name? Devon? Devon? That you wrote the book, uh, Sexual Magic. How did you guys oh, meet Kamala and Devi. turn it into a book? Kamala Devi. Well, I, I, you know, Kamala Devi at that time, she was one of my students and, uh, and, and, and was a friend and lover. And, uh, she was also in the Tantra field. And, um, uh, so I, I had a lot of notes and a lot of the concepts I wanted to convey. And uh, she was in the uh, book industry, her family. She had a lot of experience writing and publishing books. So I initially approached her to, uh, to help me write the book. And, uh, and then she loved the project so much that she wanted to be uh, listed as a co-author. And she, the, the book really was a co-creation and she, um, she brought a lot of her own personal stories and a lot of her information and knowledge into the book as well. So it was a real beautiful co-creation. And it, we rewrote the book in about three months. Whoa. And just, just cooking on it together and meeting on it every week. And uh, 
uh, yeah, it was uh, quite an evolution. And then since, since then, it's been updated a couple times. Okay. So tell me, how did you come up with the concept of ISTA? The International School of Templars was something that evolved. Uh, uh, initially, the, the teachings and the trainings I, were, I was doing was called Daka Dakini trainings, and I was hosting um, sacred sexuality uh, practitioner and educator conferences. Uh, but what happened was, as the momentum grew through the early 2000s, um, uh, many more people were interested in the subject and in the field. And what happened was so many people started doing the practitioner training, um, the Daka Dakini training and the, the practitioner training, that uh, uh, it, it's some, it started to become something that the, the information contained there started to be something that was mainstream and was actually a foundation for all adults to live a happy, healthy, successful life. And um, going way beyond sexuality, uh, going, going deeper into our connection with power and health and life force energy and how to be conscious manifestors and, and how to uh, resolve conflict in, in ourselves and with each other. Um, so these all became very practical things that back in the day, a lot of sexual healers didn't have that foundation and especially didn't have the foundation of how to support people to deeply navigate through the trauma and the, um, the emotional uh, aspects of sexual healing. So a lot of stuff would get stirred up and, uh, stirred up and activated in, in sexual healing sessions that some of the pioneers were doing. However, a lot of them didn't have the skills and tools and understanding to really navigate the, the deep emotional and trauma territory that was activated. So I would say that ISTA probably became one of the first schools to really address uh, sexual trauma and emotional trauma um, and, and how to navigate through deep, deep trauma. That makes a lot of sense. So for people that's out there, tell them what a DACA and Dakini is because some people do not know, explain okay. exactly what they are. Uh, Dhaka and Dakini, those are Sanskrit terms uh, coming from the, the, the Indian and uh, Middle Eastern culture. Uh, they refer to a temple priest and priestess, if you will. Um, mm -hmm. So uh, that is synonymous with a Dhaka, Dakini, um, or a, a male or female sexual healer. Um, uh, Dhaka being the, the what we refer to as a man doing the work and a Dakini being a woman who would do the work. So that's, that's basically what, what a Dhaka and Dakini is. It's a, it's a temple priest or priestess involved in not just sexual healing, but relational healing, physical healing, emotional healing, everything that has to do with living a healthy, happy, healthy life, which is what the temples were all about. The temples right. were places that humanity would go to learn how to live a happy, healthy life, how to, uh, celebrate um, life stages and uh, births and deaths and unions and uh, um, the, the seasons of life, if you will. Right. And that makes a lot of sense because that brings in the connection. And the thing I want to talk about is the trauma that some men experience from different females or relationships that a Dakini heals and some women experience some traumas in their life 
and it doesn't necessarily have to be sexual but because we are females it we hold it in a different space and how a doctor can help them open that space up and begin the healing that that's exactly that's exactly true well you know traditionally the a lot of the dakinis or temple priestesses would come and support uh, the, the the warriors and, and a lot of times the men coming home from war that they would help take the war out of them when they would come back to their families and to their communities and to their culture and uh, so that was one of the one of the important tasks in the old days of what a what a dakini or a temple priestess would do and of course um, uh as as gender roles have diversified and uh and we've uh, we've healed a lot of the issue uh, we're, we're in the process of healing a lot of the separation uh, the big separations between genders between races between classes between you know all kinds of things uh, more of humanity is having all the experience of what it means to be a healthy human being uh, we're not so polarized to being labeled or forced into roles anymore as to you know what well, you know what 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 a woman does or what a man does or what's masculine or what's feminine um so we're becoming more integrated and uh over time so uh so we all have trauma to heal we all have um emotional um incompletions um uh, developmental life stage incompletions that we all need to address because what I've discovered is we all come from a very dysfunctional uh, collective consciousness when it comes to actually functioning on a very evolved level. You know, so humanity has been going through a progression where we're not the same consciousness we were, you know, 50,000 years ago, 10,000 years ago, 5,000 years ago, and it keeps accelerating. Our, our consciousness has, has collectively shifted radically in the last 100 years. Right. So how do we catch up with who we're evolving to be and heal the trauma from our past so that we can let the past go and be the amazing human beings we are now? And that's, yes. what, that's what we do in this work. Yes, and that's what I like. It's just shedding. It's like the onion. You always talk, well, my thing is you always peels. There's many levels in peels to the onion. And that's what we come or we could look at it like the Kundalini uh, snake, you know, and it sheds snakes sheds many skins. We don't know which one. So that's about learning what the connection. If you taking a DACA or Daikini, um, you start with the root foundation and you bring them up and you erase them. So they're able to get better and get in their super conscious self that they're able to basically you know, function at a super higher, I want to say, I say higher conscious self level of actually going in, not just the third eye, but able to feel, go through source and come back through just not the root, which I say is the foundation, even though where it's circum, you know, where it's at. So I would like you to explain how important of aligning your chakras in balance plays with the sexuality of to be a balanced young woman or a balanced young man. Okay, well, I, I wanted that's a really important theme right there, uh, and I call it integration. 
and the concept that I want to share that's really foundational in the temple arts is the concept of total integration. So that means not just integrating all of our energy centers or chakras, as you're saying, but integrating our masculine, our feminine, uh, which, which, which has a lot of internal separation, integrating our spirit and our animal, which is one of those other things that have been in a lot of conflict in, in people's development and in humanity's development. This, this place where we aspire to be these spiritual beings, and yet the, the, the spirit aspect feels sometimes like it's being dragged down by body and its, and its needs and its desires. And so how do we end these struggles and these wars inside of us? And we end that through integration so that we actually are masculine and feminine fall in love. Our spirit and animal actually fall in love with each other and start working together rather than being in struggle and conflict. And so when, when those major poles come into resolution here in the heart, then also our relationship with presence, our relationship with power, our relationship with love, our relationship with communication, our seeing, our knowing, and our divine connection, all those things start to come into alignment and we start to synergize with ourselves. When that happens, then also magically our external relationships start to also heal and become clearer and we start to synergize externally with people, the planet, all nature around us and and all of creation basically so this concept of total integration is very important and probably one of the biggest tools to to start that process is to reclaim and start to reawaken and activate the emotional body because without our ability to feel our way through life and what has been out we're not going to be able to address those issues and it's not about intelligence it's not about the mind. We're never going to be able to think our way through this. We're never going to be able to think our way into a healthy total integration. We must reclaim and activate our emotional bodies and start to learn how to feel deeply everything that we have been collectively terrified to feel and personally terrified to feel in our lives because there has been so much pain and suffering there. We just don't want to feel it. So it's time to have the courage and the skill and the willingness to start surfing that emotional territory because then the gifts will come. So doing that, um, some skills that they can learn is um, meditation, getting that, getting grounded, which you basically teach of getting within self because we, our mind is always so busy because we're busy people right now. We don't have time to sit still and think. So what kind of meditation you think would be good for people first for self? And then the sexual, uh, is there a sexual meditation? Um, I know that in India um, at the temple in, um, what was it, Nepal? They, I've seen a certain kind of meditation and I forgot what it was. Uh, it was called the Um Meditation um like the orgasm meditation um to help people get centered and help them reach that um term like the word instead of saying a vagina they would say yoni instead of the penis they would say the lingam and a lot of people are not but it's in a loving manner is which 
I think the Hindu temples would have it be. And they presented, uh, a, like you said, a lot of release, but also a lot of celebration to people, um, especially um, royalty as well as non-royalty for them to be able to please their mate or wife in that temple. So is that part of it? Because what I was seeing is a, is a whole, uh, what they called um, a goddess ceremony, which I got to witness, which was really beautiful. Um, I didn't see anything equivalent for a man, but I seen it for a woman uh, where they were going through the temple and it was very beautiful, the preparation and what they did for the young girl and taking her through the steps and also teaching her how to meditate and getting her in, but also the OM meditation, which they showed her as well to be able to orgasm herself, to be able to share with her, her husband-to-be. Right. Well, I, that, that's totally, I mean, there's so many rites and rituals okay. that can support us to come home to ourselves. Okay. Rites, rituals, meditations, practices, um, a lot of these things is exactly the territory we go into in the level one ISTA training, the week-long ISTA training that we okay. offer. So we, we start to, first of all, uh, introduce people how to open themselves and start being able to, to become more sensitive and start feeling things they haven't felt. But then when things are activated, more importantly, how to navigate that emotional territory successfully to bring ourselves back into presence and love and ease and not get hijacked by our fear, our sadness, our grief, our rage, our anger, all the things that we're afraid to feel. So we learn how to navigate that territory. Then once we have some kind of idea of how to navigate that territory, then what happens is oftentimes the meditations and the rituals and the rites and, uh, and, and uh, journeys, those things start to bring up all the feelings um, and, and not just the, the, the feelings that are challenging, but the, the feelings of amazing gratitude and abundance and, uh, and uh, um, uh, devotion and love. Uh, it, these are all very powerful things. So the emotional body is so connected with our, with our power and we need to reclaim our power right now because we need to reclaim our, our planet we need to reclaim our environment. We need to reclaim our countries. We need to reclaim our communities. We need to reclaim our families. We need to reclaim our lives. And we need power to do that. We need to build personal power to do that. And then we need to learn how to share power so that collectively we can start um, bringing, bringing more love and consciousness to the planet so that uh, guilt, shame, fear, and greed um, power over and control aren't happening so much and we just won't tolerate that kind of reality anymore. So uh, we need to step into our power with love to, to change our reality on the planet. And that's why these trainings and everything are so important. So yes, uh, there are lots of different meditations. There are lots of different practices. Um, some of the practices, I feel, what they do is they help they help take our consciousness and they take our passion and our emotions and a lot of other things that are on an energetic level and they support us to embody the teachings. And what I mean by embodiment is 
is, you know, up in our minds, we can think, oh, yeah, I want to, I want to do this. I want to do that. I want to release the shame. I want to release the fear. I want to be aligned with love and a spiritual being. But what happens is as soon as our trier mechanism, our fear mechanisms get triggered, yep. our fear mechanisms get triggered, what happens is consciousness can go right out the door. And so, <laughs> so we need to learn how to embody um, these things. The same thing, a lot of people, they, they, their, their sexuality gets activated and they go into an animal, an automatic animal mode. And all the loving presence disappears, and all of a sudden it's just animals fucking. Um, excuse the French, uh, but uh, that's not really French. Um, but you know what I mean? It's like it's like we 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 need to remember that our lovemaking is a sacred act. It's a powerful act. When we when we talk about sex magic and actually making love and bringing intention into it and using it for conscious manifestation. It takes that animal passion and it also takes a a very developed consciousness to hold awareness and to hold that intention and not disappear in the, in the lust or in the sexual act. And so this is, these are the things that are so important around uh, embodiment and a healthy sexuality and a healthy life. Right. That makes sense to hold that energy and hold that space. So that's, that's, very key point so thank you so much for pointing that out because a lot of people do um like i said i've had some people in the field on time that go from one extreme to the other and it's basically they're trying to escape the trauma so they take one trauma to make it to the other trauma and people make sex to be bad or then they say oh it's just evil so they take it from one trauma to another and it's not it's again go ahead well, it's, it's either obsession or repression, you know? So, so a lot of times the trauma gets activated and the way to deal with it rather than really feeling it and moving through it is to go into hypersexuality. So now we'll just get really sexual and we'll disappear in the, in the, in the, in the sexuality. Or the other way to deal with it is we'll shut it all down and we'll repress it mm-hmm. and, and go into, into, into freeze and uh and uh, and and bypass it that way too so either way it you're not really dealing with what what needs to be felt and moved through consciously because you're using sex as a distraction or the avoidance of sex and vilification of sex as a as as a as a as a, as a an annulment of that territory as well that makes sense so I'm glad you explained that and you did it much more eloquently than I could do it because I just tell them, I said, you go from one extreme to the other, but it also plays a part spiritually, being spiritually awakened as well and being willing to face your fears, like you said, and sure. open your heart. And that is um, seeing some people are stuck because they've been hurt and they don't want to open their heart. So they they suppress themselves thinking that if I don't say anything, everything is all right. So they're kind of shut down from here down to there that it affects everything apart in their life. But when they come up against something that's a trigger, they scream and don't realize that that's the trigger while they want to scream because something has happened. So it's good for someone to go through ISTA and a, 
I want to say a very well person that is able to deal with the trauma to take them over that trauma and that experience and see it for what it is and release and learn to bring love. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that makes all the difference in our lives, you know, so I want to invite the listeners to when they have a moment to, to go check it out, go to ista.life. That's our website. It's pretty easy. ista.life. And to, you know, read what, what, what we're about as an organism. We, call our, we don't call ourselves an organization. We call ourselves an organism of love that continues to expand. And hopefully, you know, this is, this is this again, the, the International School of Temple Arts is bringing these teachings to humanity because it's time. We need to come into a healthy relationship with our sexuality. We need to come into a healthy relationship with life with nature, with the planet, with each other as human beings, and, and, uh, and, and all of creation. And, and that's why this, this event is so important. And you can go to the website and you can see where there's going to be a training near you. We have virtual events as well now with the whole COVID thing. There's more things, uh, more events being offered virtually. So that even if you can't be around people, you can still continue to do the work and get support. Um, and and things are changing and opening up. I know that there was a training in Austria last week. There was a training the week before that in Israel. Wow. Uh, there was a there was a training happening in Spain this week. So um, things are starting to open up. I know there's going to be a training here in New Zealand in November, and I believe there's a there's a there's actually one starting this week, a level one and two in in uh, Byron Bay, Australia. So you know, people are getting together. We are continuing to do the work um, and we learn how to be self-responsible and take care of ourselves and have healthy boundaries so that we can keep ourselves and each other safe and healthy always and in all ways. Um, again, very, very important stuff. So, so yeah, have, a read, have a read about it on the website. Right. So tell me about, you said there's level one and then you mentioned a level two. So how many levels is there of this stuff? Well, it's, uh, you know, we're, we're an organism that really supports people to go through different steps and stages. And then we basically, you know, we're not, we don't constantly create things to, you know, keep people locked in. So it's, okay. it's, a, it's a pretty much, here's what you need to, here's what you need to know and embody to become a healthy, functional human being. And now go live. So there's, there's the level one, which is basically an introduction to what it means to be a happy, healthy, functional adult as an individual. Level two is, an, is the initiation experience. And it's really about now that you're a healthy, functional individual uh, and, and, and you've really reclaimed yourself and your power, now can you surrender and basically die to life? So it, it's a very shamanic experience where there's a huge letting go um, and, and an introduction into what it means to really let go of the self and become more of the transpersonal, more of the collective consciousness, and actually what it means to embody love. Um, you, you don't get rid of the personality. You just <laughs> learn how to not let the personality hijack love because love is more important than anything. So that's level two. And then level three is, is the event. It's called, um, it's called uh, let's see, we have the SSSEX, which is the level one. And then we have the initiation, which is called SIN, S-S-I-N. And then, and, and then uh, 
and then we have um, then we have the the level three, which is uh, more for people who want to uh, learn how to hold the point of love no matter what. And it's especially great for practitioners, uh, for community leaders, for uh, facilitators, for uh, people who are holding points in their communities to bring people together um, and to start to create temples. And when things get very challenging and activated, can you hold the point of love no matter what? Right. So, so this, is, this is the level three experience. And then the other thing we offer is the um, is the uh, practitioner training, and which is kind of where we started. So we've reintroduced it, we've reintroduced the practitioner training for people who actually want to learn how to facilitate one-on-one -on -one sessions with people, okay. and 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 the nuts and bolts around that. But you've got to have the other experiences first as a foundation before you can can become a practitioner. Um, so then when you have all that under your belt, then and you feel it's your calling or you want to see if it's your calling to actually do private sessions with people or, or with individuals or couples or, or, group or small groups, then you want to take the practitioner training. So those are the four main things we offer. And we also host um, conferences and, and uh, uh, festivals around the world and now online quite successfully. We've had 1,500 people. Um, so thousands of people are starting to come to our online festivals as well as our actual physical festivals in different countries that as things open up again and people are able to gather, we'll see more of that as well. Right. That sounds amazing. Well, I know it's a great organization. And um, I know that when the Phoenix Temple was open that you came and you discussed, um, even though it had some kind of, a, I'll say, tumultuous times, uh, mm. that my good friend Tracy went through, um, yeah. and I'll be having, getting her on, hopefully, she promised me an interview, <laughs> but we great. go back and forth, I love her. Um, I do too, Tracy is a pioneer, you know, and, and she, she basically became very vocal about the temple arts, and, uh, she is such a devout priestess, and such an amazing being, and, uh, these sacred rites and rituals that we offer in the temples, um, they're so taken out of context and misunderstood that in a very conservative state like Arizona, they just, they, they couldn't understand what she was doing. And the only way their minds could conceive the important work she was doing was just to put it in the category of prostitution. And, uh, and which of course is something that's illegal, but it's not. Uh, what, what she's doing are ancient religious rites um, uh, tantric rites and, mm -hmm. uh, and other cultural rites that in a very, um, in a very, uh, uh, healthy uh, manner, functional culture, uh, uh, hijacked by, uh, by religious fear and sexual fear, uh, yes. was villainized which was the very thing that she was attempting to, to heal. And she probably, you know, created a temple in probably one of the most challenging places you could in the United States. Yes. Because, <laughs> because, because Arizona is such a conservative state, you know, and I had the Sedona temple, but the thing was, I knew I was in a conservative state and I always just kept it low key and flew under the radar. But, you know, she was, she was very vocal and she wanted to change the culture. She wanted, and she's still in that process 
and I love her and I, um, I appreciate the work she's doing. It's a very challenging path she's chosen because now she's got a lot of legal um, issues she needs to deal with, but that's how we change the laws by bringing these things up and taking them to the highest courts and changing the laws to create something that is um, very important, very healing, very empowering. And, uh, you know, we have so much sexual dysfunction and so much overriding of boundaries and so much disrespect of of women and disrespect of sexuality in our culture that she was directly addressing and was really the resolution to sexual dysfunction and abuse and it's mm-hmm. and it's and it's just ironic that way they would put a woman in jail who's doing more to address and heal sexual abuse and dysfunction than virtually anybody else in probably Arizona so uh, you know this is this is this is the nature of toxic shame this is the nature of um of a, a very dysfunctional culture that that is very immature when it comes to a healthy sexuality and relationship. Unfortunately, yes, because she was basically, I know she was doing work for healing. Could you imagine not being touched all your life and wanted to be touched, just touched, and to actually go to a place where someone just put their hands on your on you and not feel anything but showing you love could this is the problem with our society like what we're going through now during the pandemic there are some people that are shutting down because they're not being able to be touched they're not able to be seen or heard so there's more more dysfunctional and spiritual disconnection and sexual frustration and it's getting out of hand but for that that was the beautiful thing that she was able to make people feel the, the love just by touching them. And that's something we need to get back um, this pandemic and let them know, you know, how are you? How are you feeling? Um, not just being on a computer talking, but sometimes a computer can be distorted and you can't see the emotion unless you're a seer or um, I say it in empath or something, then you're able to say, oh, well, they're really not feeling well. They're putting on a show. So again, this is suppressing the self of who they are and they're putting on a show and they're not really being themselves. So they're spiritually and sexually shut down. Well, we're human beings. We, you know, we, we need touch, you know, and this again is honoring the fact that, that we are, we are spiritual beings. Yes. We are emotional beings, yes. We are consciousness beings. We're beings that have these amazing minds and intellects. But we're also animals in these bodies. And we need to honor all aspects of ourselves and not shut any part of us off and any part of us down and make uh, sexuality a shameful thing um, when it's so much a part of who we are as human beings and a very important part of life. So how do we celebrate our sexuality Right. Again, how do we celebrate it and release the fear and bring it, in, bring it in, into appropriate relationship so that, uh, you know, it's kind of like, um, well, I think what the United States is and the other countries are feeling right now is they're decriminalizing marijuana. And, and, and when, as long as marijuana was illegal, then it became something that criminals dealt with. And it became it became this whole thing that was very illegal and went underground, and the uh, the, the 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 crime syndicates were involved with it. And now that it's becoming legalized, what's happening is 
it's is is it's taking it out of the shadows and it's making it uh, celebrated as the amazing medicine and support that it is way healthier than tobacco way healthier than than alcohol and okay. and 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 uh and so much more medicinal and less harmful um but look look at so we're finally learning this well the same thing is true as sexuality when we take it out of the shadows and we stop all the guilt and fear and shame around it then it has a chance to become the healthy amazing powerful thing that it is and people aren't so awkward and uncomfortable around it we start being able to have touch and give and receive touch and uh, sexuality is celebrated rather than something that's vilified and pushed into the shadows. Why do we have so much sex trafficking? Why are people selling their bodies for money? They're not selling love, they're selling sex. And, and the temple priestesses like Tracy Elise were actually supporting people to learn how to love and receiving donations for that. And of course, the whole thing was twisted and, and aberrated into something where, oh, they're just using this as an excuse to to be prostitutes or or to to um, to, to sell sex for money. And the temple priests and priests does they don't we don't they don't sell anything. Right. They're they're supporting people to love, and everybody needs to make a living and support their their work, just like they do in the in the in churches and other temples. Big time. Uh, <laughs> we need to be supported in the work that we do, and uh, so yeah, the whole the whole system needs to be looked at and restructured. And the way to do that is one person at a time, waking up one person at a time, and supporting them to deal with their incomplete their their incompletions around not having a healthy sex education, not knowing how to navigate emotional territory properly. And, and how to lean into love so that we can start creating a very different reality on this planet. That makes sense because what I was, as you were talking, I was mm -hmm. looking at how we go into our different, I would say shields, the way I was taught about it. Um, the, we have our little child shield, then we have our teenager shield, then we have our adult shield, then we have our grown up shield, and then we have our elder shield. So there's like different layers as we go. So if you're damaged in your little child's shield, when you become teenager, you're even more angry because you were damaged there. And then when you become adult, oh my gosh, everything that you were angry about during those years, you take it out and that becomes you, that becomes the essence of who you are in your adult shield. So if you don't meet someone in between in your child's shield to get some kind of spiritual um, connection, say, okay, the child was molested, and the child while they were, I'll say, in um, nine or 10 or younger. So when they have that, they put up a shield and armor over their body. Then they become that angry adult, but they don't want to remember because their conscious has shut down their subconscious from the abuse that they suffered or that trauma. So that affects them. You see how it affects I want people to understand it affects them from childhood to teenagehood. And then that's what the doubt becomes a very angry, but vulnerable, but still mature level is at a child's level of understanding because somewhere in them, they stopped growing spiritually and as sexually, they didn't have a chance that that shield shut down. So exactly. Go ahead. Exactly. 
and then that and that's what happens and so if that if that wounded child begins those issues begin to be addressed they will react and go into defense and attack and they will get quite aggressive um, uh, around that territory because what's happening is a whole bunch of feelings are being activated that they don't want to feel so they'll shut down or they'll attack anybody who stirs those up mm-hmm. and and oftentimes that's what happens in relationship and that's why as soon as the love starts to happen and the intimacy starts to happen in relationships, the relationships go into fighting and blowing up and then they just move to the next relationship because it's in the intimacy that the healing happens or can happen. And that's why people are so afraid of intimacy because they, they're, they're trying to protect that little child. And so we need to start understanding that the, the, the shame that that little child's holding and is afraid to feel and it's been passed on from generation to generation to generation and we need to heal that shame we need to learn how to feel that shame and bring it out of the toxic realms into the conscious realms and uh and and take that little child by the hand and say it's okay you can feel all your feelings and there was nothing wrong with you you are loved and you can come out now um, but you know, again, this is a journey that most adults don't even want to feel because they're they're ashamed. They're ashamed for their own dysfunction, and and it's just a it's a it's a whole it's a whole self uh, perpetuating system that is that is undermining uh, our our cultures and our families and our governments and i mean we see it in our world leaders our world leaders are some of them you can see the the dysfunctional little child there that's just terrified that that is unable to take any responsibility and just deflects everything that's because that unwillingness to feel the healthy shame right see and that's almost what my friend was saying my friend um i had a friend that was raped as a young man and Mm -hmm. um he said, well, you know, I didn't say anything. And he had a wife. And every time he would not go to church, he would not, uh, he would see a man of authority and it would be the first thing he want to put up his fist. And you could tell his body would react with rage. And I said to him, um, because I am a seer, and I, and I went up to him and I started talking to him and I said, um, can I talk to you for a minute? And he was like, yes. I said, if I'm being disrespectful, let me know at any time. Um, were you touched by an older person? He was like, no, cause I'm not gay. You know, very defensive. And is like, okay, so you're saying little boys that are touched by men, you're thinking they gay? He was like, yeah, that's what happened. I said, no, that's not what happened. That was something that happened to them and their experience that does not make that child gay. Um, And he said, well, and then later on, he says, I wanna talk to you. And he told me, yes, I was raped by uh, a family friend, um, you know, that I thought and I loved and I became closed off. Nobody noticed the difference, blah, 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 all that other stuff. But the thing is he didn't want people to think he was gay. And he says, you're a man, you don't tell um someone that a man did that that makes you gay it does not make you gay it you were a victim but you're no longer a victim because you're able to speak out about it but if you maybe said something you might save somebody else but then 
there are psychological games that people that do this to these young beings and make them feel guilty. But these are, you know, this is the stereotypes that people go through. Okay, well, this is what happened and that's why they're gay. No, that's not why they're gay. That's not why, you know, it has nothing to do with that. We're judgmental. As, um, over, over, yeah, over the years of doing thousands and thousands of sessions with people over the years, this is a common reoccurring theme. And, and whether, you know, whether it was uh, something happened when you were a young woman or a young man or a boy or a girl, that boundaries were overridden. And right. in, usually it was done by an adult who also had that done to them. And so, you know, like I say, it, it continues to be passed on generation to gen- after generation. That that, uh, that that that's how it that's how it becomes self-perpetuating. And the only way to stop the cycle is to somehow create enough safety, intimacy, and permission to feel the toxic shame and to release that. Because oftentimes the people who who were you know the, that that had that happen to them take it on. And, and, and they feel shame like they did something. And then it gets perpetuated on and on. So, so this, is, this is why it's so important to step into our power to, to uh, come to an ISTA event, to learn how to navigate this territory, not just for yourself, but for everyone. And, you know, even if you weren't, even if you weren't touched or physically abused, we've all been abused by a culture who's, that is so dysfunctional around touch and sensuality and sexuality that there's so much fear and so much guilt and so much shame around sexuality and so much obsession and repression. Why is porn the biggest money maker? Hello. Okay. Guys, we're going to have to try to do a part two. So I'm going to look. I don't know. We just got freeze. So he's freezing or might even be me. It's like, oh, hallelujah. It's there. So what we're going to do, ladies and gentlemen, I am going to end this. Okay, I'm going to end this. This is Dr. D, a.k.a. Dr. Cicely D'Angelo, a.k.a. Food Alchemist from Food Alchemy Network. I hope you will stay tuned and we will do this again. It's been beautiful Tuesday, and I thank you for tuning and listening and being with me on this journey of discussing sexual and spiritual connections and we are on a journey of healing not only sexually but spiritually and we want to bring them together so it's been real thank you Hello and welcome to Food Alchemy Network, where we present Coffee with Ori, Angelic Whispers, and also Women's Circle, The Door of Many Colors, and also When Men Gather. These are the shows that comes to you weekly 
on Food Alchemy Network. Please stay tuned because there's more shows to be viewed and heard from many perspectives from here to there everywhere in the U.S., to Thailand, to New Zealand, all countries we reach with the sound of our voice. Please stay tuned to Food Alchemy Network, where we enjoy uplifting the most. <laughs>